If you love what you do, right? I love PostFrame. I love building and I love tools and all these things. How many people in this freaking world? How many of them are on the internet? How many users are on Instagram? You don't need all of them. I bet you there is a million people that love exactly what you do. And you just got to touch them, man. And through education, through like quality content, through whatever you're passionate about when you share that, you will find those people. Maybe not overnight, but you'll find them. Welcome to episode 125 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, we welcome Kyle Stumpenhorst with RR Buildings. And this episode was recorded live at the International Builder Show in Orlando, Florida this past week. And a huge thanks to LP Pros for hosting us there at their booth to have this live podcast with Kyle. And in this episode, Kyle showcases and talks about all of the amazing practices and the social media marketing strategies that he has. We talk about post-frame construction as well as his business ethics. There's so much valuable information and I tell everybody, go follow Kyle because he has such a great eye for marketing, a wealth of knowledge. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levitt and today we have a good friend of mine, Kyle Stumpenhorst. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, thanks for having me on, Brad. So we are here. Kyle Stumpenhorst is the owner of RR Buildings. I've been a big fan of Kyle for a long time. Uh, we've met at these events many times now, and we're going to get into a little bit of the marketing side because I know I told you this offline, but there's some strategies you have that I think are really important to anyone listening. But before we get into that, I think it's really important. You know, I typically don't start off on like the bio side, but we're here at the LP booth doing a lot with LP this week. We're going to get into the LP backdrop we have here as well as some of the product. But I think it's important for listeners to understand like what is post frame construction? I mean, that's, that's, I don't know how much time we have, but simply put, <laughs> post frame is more framed with post and then has secondary framing versus stick frame is kind of a, a continuation on a whole wall assembly of stick built construction. You know, post frame has been around for forever. It's the Egyptian, I think, method of construction that's just been around forever. And it's, it's, it's resilient, man. So, so why post frame though? I mean, especially as, you know, technology advances or information, is there an advantage in your market? Uh, is it cost? Is it timing to go from post frame instead of maybe a traditional stick frame or engineered home? So I think that the engineering behind a post frame is legit. A lot of people look at them and think that's just a barn. It's going to blow away in the wind, but not when engineered and built properly. Post frame also serves a lot of purpose for cost savings on materials and time. I mean, I can have a, a, a large structure under roof protected from the weather um, in a matter of a week with a couple guys on a crew, right? And then you can go to work on the inside, which means all your interiors. A lot of the big thing is, especially now that we're building all these barn dominiums, your interior, the framing, the lumber, the materials, they never see the light of day. They basically get dropped off, brought inside, no moisture, no dirt, dust, and all that other stuff. Well, I think here's one of the kickers you talked about. I mean, it's time frame, right? So you think about the time to build, and I look how long our projects take from pre-construction to the build. And you mentioned that when you were sitting there closing out the project with the client, it was a four-week project front to back. And so I think that in itself is super enticing where you're not wearing out your, uh, your welcome or your marriage per se with the client, right? So it keeps you on good terms. Yeah. And I think as, as PostFrame is evolving, and I think my major goal this whole time with my social media has been to evolve PostFrame into something more than just a barn. It is getting there. And that is you know driving longer projects, more more, you know just overall a lot more difficult projects, something that are much more involved. So I, I noticed that if, cause I believe you did, was it your parents' house that you did? Right. It was, so, so speak about that because I think a lot of us, when we look at post-frame construction, you're thinking maybe a barn or an RV garage or something where 
you're keeping, especially in your terrain of the country where you're having big equipment, right. you know, farm equipment, snow plows, whatever it may be. But there's, us, there, there's more versatility than just a post-frame construction like a barn right. as you do with your house. So talk about that project. Well, I mean, that project was obviously special to me because it was my parents. They've been wanting to build a home for their whole life. They've only ever remodeled. In fact, that's how I learned construction was through remodeling, you know, my own homes with my parents. Uh, and I was like, well, it's going to be post-frame if I'm building it because that's <laughs> what I want to do. And they just kind of went along with it. And you know what? To this day, my dad just says it was the best thing ever. It's quiet. It's uh, super efficient. His energy bills are super low because of just the nature of the way it's built. It has a built-in efficiency factor um, and a lot, a lot fewer thermal breaks than a traditional stud wall. So, so why is that? I mean, it, explain uh, not in technical detail, but a thermal break. We did a YouTube video, you know, and really what, you know, you're trying to eliminate the transfer of either heat or cold into the home, right? Right. So, how does the the post frame in regard to the house? How did that? help to be more energy efficient. So like, you know, with a stick frame, you guys to achieve that a lot of times are, are putting some sort of a foam or a barrier on the outside of your stud to break between your exterior, you know, siding or cladding or whatever to your interior. Well, on our interior, we've got typically a post every eight foot. So that whole bay becomes filled with insulation and we don't have that wood stud going from inside to the outside or the inside drywall to the outside sheathing, creating that thermal break or thermal connection right we've just got a, an entire blanket of insulation whether it be fiberglass rock wool spray foam and there's no there's no there's nowhere for that you know that that connection from the outside world other than that post so when, when you're looking at an exterior wall is there any concern uh safety sound anything as you're going eight feet post to post I understand the benefit we'll go back to the benefit but is there any drawback as far as that you know where you're not having maybe studs traditionally every 16 inches well, I would say, you know, the design's been engineered, uh, 110 mile an hour rating typically. You can go, I mean, I've done buildings with 150 mile an hour wind rating just because the customer really wanted to overdo it. Um, no, there, there's really no strength concern. People just look at it, they see it as different, and therefore they're afraid they're of it. They're scared of different. Yeah, and that is where my channel has been, you know, mainly focused is showing really the advantages. You know, you think about this, a two-story post frame, post from the, from the foundation connection all the way to your truss connection. No break, no, you know, first floor, second floor. You've got continuation in large framing members from floor to ceiling. So what's interesting, I mean, you start thinking about as you get into advanced framing, right? So advanced framing is a term as you're getting into homes that want to be more energy efficient or uh, you're trying to get to a, a certain number, right? So the issue is tr traditionally, as we mentioned, 16 inches on center, but advanced framing will go to 24 inches. Right. Um, you know, you're working... And, and for us, this is something we've tried to do, and it's really difficult for the engineers and architects to, like, get out of their norm from 16 to 24. And it just seems like a simple change, right? But the reason being, the example is like a, a coat. So in cold weather, if you're walking around in a nice, you know, down feather coat that's going to keep you warm, but the zipper's down, it's wide open, you're letting all that cold air in. Right. It's not really serving a purpose. And the issue with a lot of lumber on the exterior, especially in the corners, uh, you know, tw 16 inches on center, you're losing a lot of that R value. You got a lot of zippers. Yeah, you got a lot of zippers, and that's the issue. So think about this, Brad. You take a traditional 16 on center home, and you say, quote, unquote, advanced framing, and you're pushing it out to 24. Right. I guess we're like super advanced. <laughs> you're super advanced. Foot. You know, but, but think about it. I mean, it, you know, we always, you know, the reason we went to stick frame was because lumber is easier to produce in two by fours versus large framing members. Hence, right. if you go build a timber frame, it's very expensive to bring those timber logs in. 
So we're using an engineered laminated column to create that large framing member, but now we can push it back out to these eight foot on centers and, and get all those kind of attributes that you're looking for with your advanced framing tube eyes. So where did that education come from? I want to get back to just the education of, you know, doing the, the plans and specs for your parents. But, you know, as far as your upbringing, I mean, what got you in a post frame and say, you know, this is definitely the direction I want to go? Um, I think the, the post frame came when my, my wife's grandpa, he needed a garage. And he said, hey, this company will build me this garage. It's a post frame. I know you don't do post frame, but if you can, if you can match his price, I'd rather just let you do it because I know at least who you are. So I was like, well, I've never done post frame, but I'll figure it out. I had a buddy who worked for a post frame company and I was like, Hey, you want to come help me on the weekends? We'll just knock this thing out. So were you working doing like remodeling or something? Or I was in new, the new home construction, all residential okay. additions, decks. I did everything. Yeah. I was Jack of all trades, master of none, <laughs> the, the, the typical small town contractor. Right. So I did one post frame. I realized that there was a bunch of benefits, Brad. Okay. Number one. And take this however you want to take it. But I was dealing with a male that yeah. was putting up a, a shop or a garage. And he didn't care. He was happy that his wife said, yes, you can build it. And she didn't, all she cared about was that the outside matched her house. Right. But she didn't want nothing to do with the specs of it, the size of it. And all he wanted was to get it done because he'd been waiting years to put up his man cave or shop. So it was just a perfect, you know, experience. I didn't have to go into their house. I didn't have to remodel their bathroom. I didn't have to clean up yeah, every night. Yeah, there's no perfectly. emotion is what you're saying. Like, no one's, like, really it's, overlooking it's your shoulder. It's not as personal yeah. because you're not in their home every day. Right. So I could show up, and I was outside. I was framing, making these big structures. All these great, you know, feelings at the end of the day because you'd start with a pile of lumber. You'd end with this structure, right? And it was very instant gratification, Um and that was like my initial thing. It was like, dude, this is awesome. There's money to be made, and there's a lot of gratification quickly outside. So when did the click come that you're like, there's something here, and I want to go this direction? Was that immediate? No, I think what it, originally it started off, you know, I'm in a farm country USA, and the market was really good. Farmers had lots of money. Everyone was building shops, buying equipment, so it needed more shop space. And you could just build buildings you know, shops and storage buildings all day long. And I did that for a couple of years, did really good. I learned a lot and got very proficient with my method because I needed to, I had a small crew. I needed to be able to work fast, efficient, and without a lot of labor because, you know, I mean, we're all getting older and I didn't want to overwork myself. Right. Uh, well then that kind of changed. It went back towards residential because the farmers, the market went down and I kind of thought, you know, we already were working on making ourselves top tier. I wanted us to be very good at what we did and, and people to look at our buildings and say, these are top notch. I love all the crisp details. It, w it just was a, a perfect fit. The barn dominium craze kind of started taking place. And now I, I bet 90% of my calls are people wanting to build a barn dominium house, which, you know, it's just a house. The difference is we use post frame instead of stick frame. So before getting into, you know, how you've essentially not created that trend, but you've really taken advantage and, and maybe helped institute a little bit. But, you know, from the engineering side, when you go into a standard post frame for like a barn, yep. you know, or a shop, as you mentioned, what is the difference? How did, uh, is there a different engineer or architect you're working with when it's residential and a house, when you have bedrooms, great room, kitchen? Did that differ? How did you go through the engineering side? Well, I mean, first off, I, I've worked with an architect one time. So everything we're doing is usually an in-house design where I meet with a the customer, they tell me what they want, and then we draw so it So you're out. drawing it out. If we even draw it out, Brad, <laughs> okay? 
A lot of times I force the customer to get a drawing done, if nothing else, so that they can give it to their mechanical guys and, and everybody can be on the same page. But I bet for the first six, six, seven years of doing it, man, nothing was drawn. Customer just trusted me to do what they wanted. And we'd make changes on the fly if they didn't like the way something was turning out, you know? And that's the beauty. So you have standard engineering details, though, that you're using yes. that are tried and yes. true. We're, we're using structural engineered prints and details from, like, commercial jobs that we've done where we've had to get prints. Um, and, like, I always say I did a job that was one of my biggest jobs ever, and it was uh, a commercial application. Everything had to be engineered and, you know, engineered prints and all this stuff. And I take that building and I implement it to a small barn dominium. Everything is over-engineered. And that's why I'd rather do it. So we're not, nobody wants to spend in my market additional money to engineer something that they've seen us do for years and it works just fine, you know? So you're just taking those practices and now over-engineering it as far as, you know, for a residential application for, yeah. a, for a customer. I mean, we are getting, we're getting engineered trusses. Those yeah. are getting engineered. You know, right. all that stuff has been pre-engineered. But each individual building or barn dough or, you know, man cave, they're not, there's no architect. There's no designer that's sitting down and, you know, figuring that out. So, so why Instagram? I mean, where did this come in that you're, to get into the social media side of it? So, I mean, kind of like I said before, my goal was uh, I started social media because there was a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of people that think if you're building a pole barn, which is what I hear all the time, that, you know, it's going to blow away in the wind. and you know, especially now that the internet is here and the world's a small place, you've got people in Europe and everybody's following along, Australia, and like, you would never get away with that here because yeah. it's wood and it would just blow away. Well, I need to prove to these people why. That they're wrong. Not that they're wrong, but that we're doing something that is good for my customers. So an education side of things is, is where my Instagram started, is I just wanted to educate what set us apart, what we were doing, so that people would day one, meet me and say, I don't have any questions for you. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, th this is what's interesting. So I get a lot of feedback because for anyone that's not, that is not following Kyle, you need to follow him. So our buildings, and we'll have them in the show notes and for everybody. And I made this comment to you because what I think is amazing is I, I've, I've spoken to people about marketing and social media and how it can impact your business. And oftentimes the pushback I get is, Hey Brad, my job isn't interesting. Or I'm at a point in my career where I don't have finished product, and so I don't really have anything to market. And I always put him to your profile because I'm like, I've known Kyle since you started. I think you and I since you started at the same time. Oh, yeah, man. We got connected, you know, I think probably through Martin Holsinger, you know, at the time. And, and so I've been following you, and I remember even calling you like, Kyle, what's going on? Like, you've hit this, like, huge ramp, and you're just taking off. But, but the thing I'll say is that you're extremely creative. Like, you're very uh, informative, you know, with your posts. And so what you do is you teach, right? So... I'm watching your post. I'm learning as you're teaching about the process, the tools, the methods, the products, LP, which we'll get into. And so you're educating the base, but, but it's interesting. You know, I look at my kids. I have six kids, as you know, and they'll watch slime videos all day, right? Like, so, so people like you, you'll have, you know, your GoPro and then you'll have your drone and then you have just your iPhone and you have different angles and showing the tools. And so people are gravitating because you do a wonderful job educating the public. And I think that, in my opinion, has really helped grow that profile. Well, and to your, to your point, when people ask me the same thing, you know, I don't, I don't think what I do is interesting. I say, <laughs> if you love what you do, right? I love post frame. I love building and I love tools and all these things. I, we, how, there's, how many people in this freaking world? How many of them are on the internet? How many users are on Instagram? You don't need all of them. I bet you there is a million 
people that love exactly what you do. And you just got to touch them, man. And through education, through like quality content, through, you know, whatever you're passionate about when you share that, you will find those people. Maybe not overnight, but you'll find them. Yeah. I mean, we've been here just a couple hours at the LP booth and you've already had a ton of people come up like, Kyle, I'm a huge fan. I've been following your stuff. I love your content. How has that changed? You mentioned this now and I, you know, I think part of this is you creating that trend. How has the social media impacted uh, the business development arm of the company? Oh, it's huge, man. I mean, you know, it used to be every time I met a customer, typically it's because word of mouth. So they already knew kind of of me, but I had to sell myself. I had to sell my product. I had to sell, you know, who we were and just in general that we weren't some big... It's a you, job interview. Exactly. Every time. Now with social media, I'm trying to interview them. I don't want every job. I can't do every job, but they all want our building, which I don't want to sound conceited, but you know, we've shown time and time again that we're going to be consistently putting out the best that we can. It's not perfect. I show the mistakes. I show when we you know, mess things up and I show them how we fix it, but that gives confidence to the, the potential client that, hey, at least I know these guys will consistently put up quality buildings. Maybe they're expensive, maybe they're not, but I'm going to give them a shot. And I get calls. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a never-ending battle you know, to field all that, but from the business side, Social media has opened up a ton of other things which we could talk about. That's why we're here at LP. I mean, um, it's, it's been really good, man. Well, it's interesting because, as you mentioned, one of the most difficult things as a builder is the resume side, right? This is an active resume. And as you mentioned, interview process. So when you're being interviewed, and they may be interviewing a couple builders, you know, do their post-frame construction. In my market, they're going to interview multiple builders for their house. You know, these are big investments for the client. You know, but where you're a known entity or a thought leader, as you are, Colin, you've built this brand on social media. Is it the client on their own, non-soliciting, not you pressuring them, no pressure salesperson here. They can go in and they can find you on YouTube. They can find you on Instagram or TikTok, these platforms, and watch your videos and learn and say, hey, this is who I want. And then to your point is one thing that I think is really unique about you as well is that you haven't hit this level and said, okay, I'm going to raise my prices. Now I'm the most expensive guy in town. You're still extremely competitive. And so what ends up happening is what that does is it really niches your market to work for the people you want to work for because it's right. a tough business. Yeah, and that, that, that's very important for me in the market I'm in, Midwest, rural town. You know, you, you can't become the guy that's overpriced. You can't become the guy that appears to be overly successful. You have to be true to your, you know, just your ideals and who you are and your community. And that's what's like very important to me. I mean, I, I, my kids are in school with these people that are paying me to build their building. I'm not going to overcharge them and I'm not going to take advantage of them. I'm going to do just what I've done every time. Just give them the best building I can. And, you know, it's a way of life. Like we talked earlier, you know, this, it's, it's about making money. We're not in business to not make money, but we're in business because hopefully we're doing something that we actually can enjoy, you know? Well, I mean, you value the relationship, right? You value the reputation. And, and that's something that often gets lost in any business, not just construction related. You know, you look at just our economy. I mean, there, what, what I love about that methodology, Kyle, and just you personally haven't known you for a long time is, you know, capitalism is great in, in, in a lot of ways because like you, you can come out, you can build your enterprise, you can build your company, you can network with vendors. But it's that greed, right? That kind of takes you to that level that <laughs> jeopardizes capitalism, right? Right. And, and, and that's where you've been able to balance that. You know, has that been difficult to balance to say, hey, 
you know, you see maybe this low-hanging fruit of this opportunity, but to keep those values, I mean, where does that come from? Um, I mean, I think that comes from my parents, first off. They taught me that you should always be a good person, you know, but in general, I think that, I don't know, I got to lay my head down and think about who I am every night, you know, and um, I got to leave a legacy for my kids to stand behind, you know, they're going to have, I want them to have somebody to look up to. And so I just always try to look at every opportunity as an opportunity, but also as, you know, a judgment on me as a person if I enter into it. Because once you get popular on social media, you know you've probably been, you know, um, propositioned by companies and brands to say, hey, can you do this for me or can you use this product? And I'll always look at everything because I don't ever claim to be a know-it-all and I want to learn as much as possible. So I'll try things, I'll do things, but not at the jeopardy of like trying to sell to my my loyal fans and, and base that I've built up and I've, you know, nurtured and talked to and tried to educate. For just a couple dollars you know you can't take that short short gain for something that you're looking to do long term and i love that i mean so what you're speaking to is not just the immediate impact of where you live in the midwest right and in, in this in this farm market or rural market as you mentioned but it's also as you have now a national and global following it's it's the products that you stand behind or ones you believe in because you you want to make sure that those ethics and that those standards you have are not just in your market but also outreaching through the social media channel. Right. And that's, that is, you probably know the same thing. It's the hardest thing to quantify or to prove on social media. I mean, I'm here at the LP booth. We're here together. You know, they've paid us to come here to help, you know, tell our story and why we like the product. It's a job. It's no different than building a building, right? But it's important that people know that I wouldn't do it if I didn't like the product. Right. If I didn't put it on my own personal house. You know, I will only ever work with companies that, that I personally like. You'll never prove it on social media. So I think it's important to be consistent, to prove time and time again that you, you do certain things because you believe in them and you trust in them. And there's always going to be people that don't believe. And that's fine because the goal is to influence the majority and to get them to understand. So with, I mean, let's, let's talk about that. We're here at OP right now and this is live on Instagram. We're going live this, uh, this weekend on the podcast. So what is your favorite product? I mean, that, that you that you love right now with LP? I mean, that really is hard. You asked me that earlier and I was thinking about it. And right now, currently, I'm going to say LP Legacy. So their premium subfloor is legit. I mean, if you've ever installed subfloor, walked on a floor, if you hate bounce, if you hate any deflection, deflection sound, yes. <laughs> the creaking of the, yeah. <laughs> All of those combined, LP Legacy is seriously my favorite. But I mean, we're standing right now, we're in front of uh, this uh, Borden Batten. I'm, I'm using this on my current Barn Dominium. Dude, when you're done with an expert finish siding, and, and that's what this is, LP expert finish, it looks amazing. I mean, you're, you're leaving as a builder the day you installed it, and it's done. It, I'm not leaving with an unfinished, unpainted, uncaulked, like, you know, product that looks kind of half, you know, half-assed, if I yep. can say that on Yeah, you can okay. say that. Yeah, okay. you can say half. Um, you know, it looks finished because it is. And so when my client comes home at the end of the day, and they're like, what'd you guys do today? They're coming home to uh, a building that is finished on the outside because I just put the siding up. And they right. don't have to get a painter. They don't have to caulk. They don't have to do any of that stuff. See, I love that you share that. When you think about economies of scale, and this goes back to early in the conversation, conversation is to monetize or be productive as a company is you have to be efficient. You have to be able to build in a timely manner. Now putting on a pre-finished siding that has the, the color versatility that they have. Yep. As you mentioned, it's exciting. Clients come home. After they've been at work all day and you've already finished either the entire exterior or maybe half of it, and it's finished, they don't have to come back. You don't have to have a painter, and there's no 
finger pointing or handoff that it's an easy transition. Yeah, and I, I'm also an instant gratification guy. Like I can look at the <laughs> long term, but but using this is very instant gratification. And I'm also a people pleaser. So when my client comes home, yeah. I want them to be happy. And if they see something that is not finished, even if they don't understand it, they don't know that, oh, that, that joint is going to get caulked you know, by the painter and they're going to paint it, they don't understand that stuff. So there's like, eh, it kind of looks, eh, you know, yeah, in a month it might look perfect. But when they do expert finish, smart side, they come home and it is done. It is perfect, you know? I love that you shared that. And we've been through this because even with some great trim carpenters, and this seems to be a scope that, you know, we, we talk about keep craft alive, right? And the trades that need good labor. And so I look at it for my builds. In a custom home, that trim carpentry, uh, drywall paint, right? These, these are really what makes a house look great for when sure. you go walk it. Like mm -hmm. that is the quality that people see. And what happens is even with the great trim carpenter, you know, uh, there's going to be different gaps to some occasion. You know, it just depends how skilled they are. Um, but when you come in and you finish that and it's prepped properly and you're hiding the nail holes, you know, and they're with the Bondo and then they're painting it and finishing it. I mean, it looks pristine, right? right? But the clients, there's that gap there where they see it mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, Kyle, this isn't done. Hey, Brad, this isn't done. But to your point, when it's pre-finished and you're going in and it's already caulked and finished and painted, there's no room for concern of quality because it's all finished right before them. Yeah. Yeah. As a builder, there's always that, there's always that awkward, like, you know that this up here isn't finished. Right. They are going to think <laughs> it's finished and you're like, don't look up there. Like, I don't want to have to explain myself that that's not finished. And so, yeah, that just expert finish is a really you know, good thing for that because when you put it up a section of siding, it's done. So, well, well, to that point, I mean, just to understand our process, Kyle, we've actually had to create a document called the emotional roller coaster. And so, this <laughs> is explain to this. I yeah, want to hear yeah. this. So, we've been working on this. So, the emotional roller coaster is there's actually a pure mind rod column with Column Homes. And so, he gave me one that he created. He's been building homes for, you know, 30, 40 years. And so, we've modified that for our company. And what that is, is now in the sales process, is we give this to our clients, really set expectations, right? So when a client's going through the home building process, whether the home's 12 months or 24 months or three years, there, there's a roller coaster. There's times when they love you and there's times when they don't like you so much. And it's a constant roller coaster. And as you mentioned, like there's a point in the process that we always talk about. It's coming towards the end and it's really at that trim carpentry and wood flooring and the detail stage. We know where it's going to look, but when you have ram board down, yeah. And you have countertop protection and mask, masking everything off for painting. It looks like a mess. Like it just really looks dirty and unfinished. But when you come in and finish, it looks great. And so we're trying to set that expectation that here's that, that dip that you're yeah. going to have. Uh, but really what you're doing is you're avoiding that dip right now because now how to pre-finish, you don't have to sit here and explain to them <laughs> on paper like I do. Yeah, that's the goal, man. I mean, my goal is I want, and it, it comes at the start of the job for efficiencies I'm building using the right tool for the job. Like I want a streamlined process. I've been trying to reduce any overhead, any, you know, odd periods of work in the middle, like anything that I can do from start to finish to make it just more streamlined and easy. I love it. If I can work with less subcontractors, like I know that may seem counterintuitive. I mean, you probably got a million on your job. No, but, uh, but still at some point you, it's still efficiencies as you're mentioning. Yeah. It's just, it's very important to me. And I think that has led to a lot of success and it's kept my operation very small because we're not just throwing more people. We're just solving problems. So what is your operation right now? Two guys. Yeah. Me and one other guy. Right. That's it. Yeah. And so with that, are you documenting that process or is this just something, Hey, we made this mistake and mentally we're not going to make it here. And so how is that process being defined now in each? You know, I've got a lot 
that I could do. And as a two-man team, that's it's just not going to happen. You only have so only, much time. Yeah, there's only so much time. And I do spend so much time documenting on social. So I guess, yeah. in essence, I can go back for the last four years and really look at the progress. And I do that occasionally. I look at like buildings and I say, you know, we've really come a long way. I've also said like, wow, we really need to come further, you know? And I think that's important because a lot of times as a builder, you're out for the paycheck, you finish one, you go to the next one, and there's a lot of status quo going on. But when you put yourself out there on the internet, as we both do, you can't put out crap. Right. You know, and, and that's honestly what motivated me from the beginning to post so much, Brad, was that I was seeing a bunch of crap. I didn't like what I was doing when I took the picture. It was status quo for the industry, but it wasn't good enough for my ego, I guess. Yeah. I wanted to be better. But I love that because, I mean, when you talk about that, this goes back to your little conversation with clients too, is that because you're a known entity, right? You're so um, active on social media. There's a trust factor. I mean, the reality is we're in construction and there's, uh, right, wrong, and different, there's a reputation that contractors have in the industry and there's a lot of bad apples out there. And so clients look at you and say, okay, well, Kyle is going to be active. So I know that he's going to do a good job. So there has to be some trust factor there for the client because you're out there and you're known personality, right? Known person. <laughs> you know, it's funny because my current client right now, I don't know if they'll listen to this. Maybe they will. Um, he, he will message me on Saturday afternoon because I've dropped a Saturday morning YouTube video <laughs> and he'll be reading all the comments and he'll be like, who's that idiot? He doesn't know what he's talking about. You did this right or whatever. Or he'll even on the other side, he'll say, Kyle, what about this? I seen this comment and Maybe it's a good comment. Maybe it's something that, hey, yeah, I could do that next time to improve my process, but there's only so much budget. Yeah. You know, you have to, if, you're, if you think you've got it all figured out, you're wrong. You know, we're all learning every time. So to be honest, I think social media is a good bucket filler because you get a lot of people saying, hey, cool job. But also I get a lot of people saying you're doing it wrong. And that's hard to stomach a lot of times. But on the flip side, you can sit there, you can think about it, and you can use it as an opportunity to improve the next one. Well, it's interesting. I mean, as you think about the trolls, if you will, or the people that are constantly providing negativity, right? Um, and some people just are that way, I guess, or they just can hide behind their screen and they do that. But there's a couple of directions that, that you can go, as you mentioned. I mean, you can sit there and dwell on that, or you can say, hey, maybe that is a good point. Maybe I should evaluate my process or my right. safety protocol, and maybe I'll make this change. Or, you know, there's, there's a way that you can just continue to build your business. Now, with the client side, do you ever have clients, because you're active on there, saying, hey, why are you posting this project? Why aren't you posting mine? Well, I only work on one project at a time. So I don't have multiples going on. I focus, and there, that means that there's sometimes dead time. But I try to do a very good job at scheduling the job in that, like right now, today, my plumber started. Um, I'll be on the outside. So I'll be doing stuff outside. So I'm still there on site every day um, and on one job. So when I'm posting for a client, and they know I'm posting. In fact, most of the time they love it. Do they? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you love to see your house getting built? Yeah. And then like, have it forever. You yeah, can you go back and it. watch it. Yeah. Um, you know. So I've never had a client do that because I just I'm always on one project at a time. Yeah. So you're operating, you know, owner or owner builder of the company, but you're also subcontracting. So you're working as superintendent as well. So no, man. This is once again where my streamlined process and overhead I've worked out of. So I, <laughs> you're gonna be like, are you kidding me? I don't subcontract. I leave that up to the client. Now, usually that means a lot of kind of back and forth from the standpoint of the bank. So they want a general contractor they, and I'll sign something. But 
I don't hire subs. I recommend subs. I, I don't, I do not want my name on someone else's work unless I'm physically doing it. And that's a trust issue. I'm yeah. too type A. I understand that, but that's me and that's who I am. So I'll recommend people that I've worked with that worked out well, but I'm, I had one job go south, Brad, and it went south when I was done with the building after the clients walked it and said, this is better than my house. It was just a barn. We were building the guy a farm shop. This is better than my house. I love it. This is great. Boom. We love it. You're done. Well, two weeks later, the guy comes in to pour concrete. He doesn't like the way the concrete's poured. But guess what? He's on my contract. Who's responsible? Who doesn't get paid if it's wrong? It's me. I can't force this concrete contractor to do his job at a certain level or detail. I can only say you're not getting hired again. Yeah. So, you know, I made at that point, I made a decision to limit my subcontractors to require my, my homeowner to be, quote unquote, the general. And they can call me any time of the day. I work with the subs. It's not like I am non-existent. Right. But I don't want them on my contract to be liable for their quality of work when I, I just can't control it. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple of features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Buildertrend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. 
So is there, does that create, and I understand the, the mentality behind that, right? The strategy behind it, I should say, which is really smart because you understand your efficiencies and how you're going to optimize that. So with the subcontractors, does that force you to create a tighter schedule, communicate more so that there's advance notice for the homeowner to schedule them? I mean, how much handoff, you know, to make sure that they're not delaying you at some point in the project? Yeah, and that, that happens. So I do get delayed occasionally because I'm relying on the homeowner to push the push the button. And hopefully they're calling or not too busy. And But I also have a relationship with all these contractors. Yeah, we're in a small sub, town, yeah. so I can be like, hey, I don't know if client A called you, but we're going to be ready next week and I need you there. And it's, it happens. You know, So I still play the general contract. Yeah. It's all on paper. It's from a, a tax standpoint, a liability standpoint, you know. All that paperwork, I can just kind of, you know, I don't have time for it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, not to get too much in the weeds, but I know in our market in Arizona, you know, I sat down with my general counsel, on, uh, especially as we're going through a contract, and they said, hey, Brad, you know, in Arizona, as you mentioned, you know, some, some builders are design-build, and that's one thing, because a, a true design-build company, they're doing their own architecture, their own design, right? Construction is the whole full turnkey. Um, in our scenario, we're not really uh, design-build. We're you know, general contractor. So we're working with the team, architect, designer, but we always have the clients contract direct with the architect and with the designer. Hmm. One, it's that relationship they have and it's still the team. And we formulate that. A lot of our clients are from the Midwest, as I mentioned, out of state. And so we, we formulate that pre-construction process, but a lot of it's so that that liability now is with that engineer, with that architect, you with hold that people accountable, I think. Yeah. It yeah. helps hold them accountable. And plus, you know, I'm not an engineer. I mean, we're still going to build per plan. We're going to, um, you know, give our advice to certain building methods and products, you know, as we have here, you know, to the client and to the architect and it's collaborative. But as you, as you mentioned, you have to protect your company so that you're just not, everyone's going back to Kyle at our buildings for every little issue that comes up. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. Because when I'm done with a job, I want to move to the next one. I don't want to keep coming back for somebody else's, you know, mess ups and try to organize and schedule all that. So go back to, uh, without getting into any specifics, but you know, from having the platform we do, there is value now as you start working with vendors, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it be supply chain, which a lot of us are dealing with, you know, having a relationship with LP or whoever, if you need product, you know, priority is going to be calm. It's just a reality because there's a relationship. I hope and, so. I don't yeah. know. LP, you listening? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, how do these, you know, for someone that's looking at growing that aspect of their business, what would you recommend to start working with companies and collaborating, whether it be the tool side, the product side? And, and how that can also benefit your customer because at the end of the day, your customer is going to get a better product, right. possibly for a better price, you know, that they can now enjoy. And, and Yeah, I think that's a tough one because there's only so much space, right? So if everybody and their brother wants to be working with LP, that's just a tough thing to do. But right. I think if, if you're providing value to that brand, that's the most important thing, you know, and, and I think it's a consistent value. So making content, showing your favorite tool all the time and Providing not just the, hey, this is my favorite tool, but saying why and showing it in, in motion and in, in different scenarios, that's going to, you know, potentially garner some, some, you know, some views. People are going to look at that and the brand is going to say, hey, you know what, we want to work with this person because they're putting our product in a way that is helpful to, to educate and to sell it to our prospective clients. And that's, that's not what I, that's not my goal, Brad. My goal is not, my life would be easier if I just went out and built buildings. But in the end, there's so many people out there that need information that are uneducated on everything that I found that I, I would be doing a disservice to a large, you know, having a large following if I didn't try to, 
to say, hey, this is what I use and why I use it. And that's just the end of it. It just happens to be that LP is what I like, what I want to use, and they want to work with me, you know? Well, you know, it works for you. I mean, this goes back to your process. As you mentioned, you have a video process of documenting front to back how this, you know, the construction schedule is, but it's also to educate your clientele and those following you. I look at it from my side and, you know, for me, I've learned, okay, the pain points of my company. When I'm doing a custom home that's very emotional, as you mentioned, yeah. and I do have the emotions that are very hot and heavy in here, right? And they're big expenses to clients. You know, there's, this may be their, their first time build and maybe something where they've been working for a long time and this is their end all home. And so there's a lot that goes into this. And what I found is if you don't have the right team, so if I don't have a designer with me, which I have to have, who has a really good design book and spec book, uh, I've been on other podcasts that talk about the A-plus spec book, and then you have a great architect well, now I have the information I need to build, right? Right. And so in the podcast and on Instagram, you know, I talk about this. I tag the designers and the architects that we're working with. And what ends up happening, I have clients now when they call me, they say, okay, Brad, well, if we're going to hire you, we got to get an architect, we got to get a designer. And, you know, they understand the process. And really that's what you're speaking of because the more education we can provide, whether it be product related or client related, yep. it's just going to help either of us in our, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you think about five to 10 years ago, if you were going to build a house, a, a, a customer knows nothing but what the builder tells them. Yeah. And in a, in a market or in a stereotypical like trade, we all are shysters. We're in it for the money. We're just going to take <laughs> the customer's money and leave and, and build a crappy house. I mean, that's, that is what people assume. And so I think now that social media has become so prevalent, it's, so, it's worldwide, it has given a voice to the contractor to show that we're not all shysters, that we do care. Some of us love what we do. A lot of us love what we do. And we're going to do great work for you. And we're going to use great products. And we're going to try to better ourselves by going to trade shows and showing you cool new products. You know, it's just giving a voice to the contractor that normally didn't have it. Yeah, I love that part about the social media aspect. And it's funny because this morning as we're coming into uh, uh, to the convention here, we saw Matt, Matt Reisinger, right? And we were talking to Matt. And, um, wait, who's Matt Reisinger? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so it's funny because we have two clients right now that watch all his videos, right? Oh yeah. So these are clients that are really involved and they're like, Hey Brad or Paul or Adam, you know, with my company, well, Matt's doing this detail. Like, why aren't you doing this detail? Why is architect not doing this? And so even Adam's like, man, there's Matt again. I better watch all his videos to make sure when the clients ask me. But the reality is, is that there's just more education. Like we didn't have that before. None of us did. I look, you know, now for YouTube. I don't really know anything about cars, but I could go on and, and, and see this. And what I do love about social media is I remember a couple of years ago, um, my brother-in-law were over the holidays and he had solved the Rubik's Cube. And I'm like, how in the world did he just do that? Right? He watched YouTube. Yeah. So he had watched YouTube. So that night I, I didn't go to sleep. I stayed up the entire night watching YouTube and I figured it out, right? Conquered the, the, the Rubik's Cube, which now taught my kids. But it's funny how we didn't have the access before and we have it now. And we have to be that much more vigilant you know, in what we document and yep. what we advertise and the brands that we work with. You know, uh, this is just a cool story that I personally love. And it, it started off pretty negative because this guy at a show came up to me and he was like, hey, there you are. He's like, I got a bone to pick with you, man. I'm like, oh, what I do? You know, I didn't know what I did wrong. And he's like, you've really, really made my, my business difficult. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean, dude? He's like, I have clients that watch your stuff religiously. And they asked me, why didn't you, why didn't you bid uh, house wrap? 
Yeah. Why, why didn't you do this? Because this, there's this builder in northern Illinois. And he's like, at first I hated you, man. But he said, honestly, I didn't know who you were. So I started following you. And he's like, you've, you've changed the way we've done everything. We don't put wood in the ground. We house wrap every building. Like We're using better products and using better methods. And it's not that they were being lazy. They just did not know any different. That's the market. That's how it's been done for years. And so to me, like that is enough for me to keep doing what I'm doing. Because there's people that are just improving their game and people are telling me how to improve my game. You know, I, I look at stuff you do and it's like, it's a, that's a million dollar home, but why can't I implement this detail or this thing or this product? And that's really what it's all about, you know? Yeah, I love that. And, and this morning, actually, we were fortunate to go to the opening ceremony and Magic Johnson was there and he was giving his speech about everything started for him in 79, you know, when he had to compete against Larry Bird in the college championship and then he goes in the NBA and it was just him and Larry. And he said, you know, the reality was is that in the finals that when he played and lost against Larry and he's crying and Larry's celebrating, he's like, I learned that like competition, like breeds excellence, right? Because being competitive and as you mentioned, and, and it's the same thing as I see other builders or manufacturers. Okay. Well, why are we not doing that? Why can't we make this change? And I know before we got online here, you had asked about the podcast and I said, one of my favorite things is I interview guests such as yourself, Kyle said, you know, I'll walk away with two or three things and I'm like, okay, I need to make this change or do this. I mean, or here's this mindset I need to apply because that's what we need. There's so much education. We need to take advantage of it. Yeah, I agree, man. It's great. So what advice would you give? If you're looking back to start now, if there's uh, Kyle 101 that you're starting your company and now you're a, a marketing and media savant, right? <laughs> and, and anyone that's starting out, like if they're just like, oh, I'm not that interesting. I don't know what to do. Where should they focus some of their time? Maybe not platform specific, but maybe, you know, in regard to content. I think in regard to content, you know, no matter what you're doing, show what you love, show what excites you. And that's really all that matters because, you know, what is an artist? An artist express themselves. And that's really all we are, man. We're expressing our work. We're expressing the things that we're passionate about. And that's what people gravitate towards. If you go and you post something and be like, eh, it's okay. It's cool. Whatever then people, they feel that. They, it's, not a, it's not the right vibe. You know, you got to show how much you love something and why you love it, and people will gravitate. Do you ever get inspiration from other accounts or even people outside of our industry? Um, so believe it or not, I probably spend way too much time creating content than to really watch it. But Peter McKinnon, do you know who Peter McKinnon is? I don't. So Peter McKinnon is a cinematographer. He's a Canadian photographer, cinematographer, I got hooked on his YouTube. The dude is just phenomenal. Like he's an artist, the way he captures film, his B-roll. And I just fell in love with that. And I, whenever I film a video, I'm like, I want to do it like this. I just don't have the skill set. I don't have the help. I don't have it. But he's not even close to a builder. He's a straight up videographer. And I probably get a ton of inspiration just from a content creator side. Uh, but on a building side, man, you know... I just scroll through Instagram and TikTok and I just look for like things. It, there's no like one in particular other than I, this AFT guy. <laughs> no, but for real, dude, you are inspirational. You and Paul, I always see Paul's behind the camera over here. I mean, I don't know how you guys even find clients to do what you guys are doing. It's amazing. I mean, I just, I think there's so much inspiration out there, dude. We're all we're all way down here. As soon as you think you're at the top doing something, oh, yeah. you know, there's somebody that's doing it way better. And I think you just have to have a constantly open mind to like, I can do something different, something better, you know? So then, it, you know, getting back to the, the business side, um, was there any difficulty you had starting your business as far as maybe the accounting side? 
oh, or yeah. purchasing side? I mean, what were some of the, the pain points early on when you started our building? I mean, even to this day, you know, accounting is a pain. You know, book work <laughs> is a pain. Those are not things that are glorious. They're not things that make you money per se. You know, those are the things that are necess- a necessity to do what we do every day. But um, if you're starting off, and if I could go back to Kyle, you know, 15 years ago, I would say just find an accountant, get your payroll set up, get your books set up, and let somebody manage the things that you don't want to do. Don't be so control freakish because I just, even to this day, I basically manage everything and I send off my books to my, you know, tax man or whatever, but um, it's something I'm working on. I want to start delegating as I get older, as I get wiser, hopefully, you know, I want to find the things that I'm really good at, keep doing those. And, and don't do the things that I don't find value in, you know, and that I should have done that from the beginning, you know? So I think one of the issues, at least, you know, one struggle we have or any company, I mean, you think about cash flow, right? So as projects are delayed because you can't get permit or jobs taking longer, right? Product is more expensive and you're, you're finding these battles. How does the cash flow side work? I mean, you have quick turnaround, which is yep. good. So are, are you working with your clients with like a, a healthy deposit? And then how are you managing? I know it's a quick build cycle, yep. but you have backlogs. So you may price or budget something today that you're not building for six months. So how are you having those conversations? Yeah, so I've got a pretty simple um, payment plan. So basically my standard contract is like a 40-40-20. So you want me to start your job 40% down. That's a big chunk. Yep. So I take 40%. When I start your job, I'm taking the other 40%. Because we're such a quick cycle, yeah. sometimes I just say, give me 50 now, give me 50 when we're done. I'm working on handshakes, Brad. Like, yeah. or It's just not It's not your typical... Yeah, you don't have a 30-page contract, but still, no. do you ever get pushback when it's, hey, 40 deposit, 40 down? No. So you're 80% in before you no. put a shovel in. Dude, Brad, there are times, legit, where contracts are like, can I just give you 100% now? <laughs> and a lot of times, end of the year... You know, we're in Farm USA. Right. Guys like, hey, they can I go ahead and just budget. give you all the money now, even if you guys won't build till January? Like, let's just make <laughs> this work. And I'm like, no, I do not want your money as much as you think. I don't want to sit in my bank account. Yeah. I will take 40% to order. And, you know, it's it's usually kind of a, a it's a floating dynamic relationship. It I base it on, you know, I know this person. We're going to be here a while. Let's get the roof up and then we'll take the 40. I won't take the 40, the second 40 until we get the roof on, you know, or whatever. Cause we're going to be here a while. And personally, I don't want to finish the job and already been paid everything. There's no, there's no yeah, satisfaction. No incentive. Yeah. 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 I, I want to get something to earn. Yeah. I want to get that big check at the end, you know? So, but yeah, I got to push back on my clients all the time because they just want to pay. <laughs> well, that's a pr- pretty impressive. <laughs> I mean, it speaks to the reputation you built with them. So then as far as uh, supply chain, though, and product, I mean, when you're bidding or budgeting something, it's typically not the day of or the right. week of and prices changing. So how are you handling those conversations? That's a tough thing, man. And the pandemic has been bad. Yeah. I mean, in our market, steel has just skyrocketed, double, Everywhere. triple, whatever. Um, I just try to be open and honest. And that's the one thing that I, I would also go back and say to younger Kyle is don't try to have an ego and think you're going to like take care of it. Like, be open right away and be like, hey, we have to make this change or we have to talk about the client, uh, talk to the client about the product pricing or availability or whatever it is. Don't try to, you know, give the impression that everything is okay when it's not, you know. So what's your backlog right now? Let me ask you, yeah. If I'm, if, if I'm new client, Kyle, I want you to build. Well, first off, I would tell you no. Yeah. 
I would say, sorry, I'm not, I'm not bidding anything. We can just talk as friends, but we're probably two years. Um, if I don't take every job I have, you know, it's insane, dude. It's okay. Insane. So, so, so with that backlog, if you say, okay, a year and a half or two years, whatever that is now, how do you set that expectation? So if I'm your customer, set that expectation where, okay, especially now understanding COVID, understanding the pandemic and pricing, how do you set that to say, okay, this is my price today, but here's what it could be then. Or are there a couple line items in that post frame construction that we just have to watch and monitor? So price wise, I just say, I'm not giving you prices until we get close to ordering. So and this is something that, you know, when you build... But Kyle, I want to know, like, what does it cost? What's your square foot? What's then it what, going to be, right? Then what I say typically is, hey, you seen this project? You know, this project was in this ballpark. Yeah. So Smart. you might be in this ballpark, but it will change based on your, you know, specs and maybe what you're going to be putting inside specifically. But the big thing is, and I, this is amazing, dude, and I'm very grateful. I've spent enough time showing who I am that people don't care. They're like... I wait. You're, you have to be the guy that builds it. And I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. I, you can find somebody else. I promise. You know, like, I'm not that special. We're just doing the best we can, not the best there is. And uh, uh, when it comes to money, man, people, they know or they assume that they're going to spend top dollar for us, but that's not true. I am, I am middle of the road. There's a million other guys that are way more expensive than us. And I want to keep it that way because I want people to just trust that we're going to be the people for them and they're going to wait, and I'll just have a, a continuous stream of projects that I can pick and choose the ones that will inspire me to do. You know, I don't want to just do every job. I just want to do the ones that inspire me because as I get older, as I've done more and more of this sort of work, I don't want to fall into the rut of same old, same old and turn into that old carpenter that we all know that's just like, it's good enough or it's status quo, you know? I want to, I want to continue to be inspired. So life experience, as you think about that, right, is, you know, all of us have gone through life experience. And I remember as a teenager thinking, you know, everything, which most of us probably did. And I'm like, my dad doesn't know anything. And then as you get older and you have kids and you yeah. go through this, you're like, man, my dad do a lot, you know, and my mom did as well. And, and so, but for you in the building cycle of life experience, I mean, how, how different is construction today on an R&R project, R&R building, as opposed to, you know, year one? Oh, it's ex exponentially different, man. I mean, the products we use, the methods we use, um, the tools we use, you know, as I'm very niche. So I, I've got a kind of a, I think a good, a good opportunity to really hone in on like perfecting the craft because we are so niche. And so I'm just constantly looking at the pain points in our projects, the things that we suffer on, the things that we don't do well, or the tools that don't work well. And I just keep changing them. Anything I can do to increase, even if it's 10 seconds of efficiency on a task, it just adds up over the process, you know? And so when you look at our builds and I go back and look at our builds from 10 years ago and I'm like, that was great back then. It is garbage right now. And I hope that customer doesn't see what we're doing and is like, what? My dad, perfect example. My dad, we built his house. It's all a steel exterior. This was before I started using any LP products, you know, on my jobs on a post frame because it was very atypical. No one used sheathing and siding on a post frame. It was all metal siding, metal roof. Um, and every time I go over there and I see him, he's like, man, Kyle, he's like, watch what you're doing now. I wish we would have used smart side on ours. <laughs> I wish we would have used the weather logic. It looks awesome. Right. And it's like, I'm sorry, but that's the growth. You know, yeah. we got to keep getting better.
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I look at same thing for us. I mean, the weather logic is a great example. We've used that and just the efficiency of of using that for the structural component as well as the waterproof, right? I mean, and, and economies of scale. Seamless. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's so much faster. Yeah, your houses are so cut up. There's so many different, you know, nooks, crannies, and it's got to be way quicker to just tape a sheet off than to run wraps around and get it all watertight, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's way faster. And you think about just the duration that that's exposed and outside as well. I mean, it's just, th there's time to get that done. And it just allows, I mean, some of the most successful people that I've ever met, and we had a client, in fact, Paul, who's here, had a client. And it, it's hard to think about efficiencies in construction. I think most of us struggle with that to some extent, even in the custom world, because it's custom for a reason. But to be successful, any company has efficiencies, right? They, they've, they've narrowed that down, and it doesn't mean anything's coming off a manufacturing line. But they've understand their, their weaknesses and how to tighten that up. And he owned a company, did a lot of union work back east, you know, New Jersey, New York. And they have some amazing efficiencies where he can actually live remotely in Arizona and run a massive construction company east coast day to day because everyone is so dialed in on their process. And to me, I'm like, how do we implement that in the custom side? I mean, I feel we have good processes and great people, but it's that window. How can we, you know, tighten that up even more? And it's, it's a tough thing to do, but you, that's something yeah. you're continuing to make a focus on every day. Dude, every day that I, I worked, I was a, I was a supervisor for a production manufacturing plant where we packaged goods for a year and a half before I started my business. And I would, my job was efficiency. That's all my boss cared about was that we hit 97% efficiency for the day. It doesn't matter what that means. It's just, we needed to be close to as efficient as possible. My goal was 120%. Like that, it's a, it's a goal, right? I'm intrinsically motivated. I loved going out on the, on the, on the floor and looking at those machines running and like trying to figure out how do we make this better? Because that, that looks like it's painful. Like, why is we doing this? And so, you know, guess what the answer was typically? Well, that's, that's how we've always done it. Yeah. Which is always the case. It's always the case. And so when it came to post frame specifically, I was, I came from the custom home, like the last project I did before I went post frame was a big custom home. And, you know, I was like, wait, this is good enough for post frame, but like, why can't we do this? Why can't we custom this? Why can't we make this high end and just a, out of a post frame shell? And people are like, oh, you can't do that. Like, that's not the way it's done, you know? And that's what we started doing. And honestly, I think that's like the big thing that drove our success initially is that we just like totally went super opposite 180 from your typical barn and was trying to build man caves and residential like accessory garages, things that guys would be like, yeah, that's awesome. But it came through efficiencies to make it work. Yeah. And you've, you've created that because I mean, even for us, I mean, we are fortunate, as you mentioned, we built some amazing projects in Scottsdale and I'm always fascinated at our building speed, like your feed cow that I'll go through. And it's just, you've created like an energy there. And so kudos to you. I mean, it's really tough to do. And I've you know, very oh. impressed, and I'm I'm very fortunate to collaborate with you here at LP. You know, this week. Yeah, hopefully so. it's not the hopefully not the last time, man. Hopefully no, we... we'll have we'll have many more. So, what do you do for fun outside of uh, as busy as you are in construction? So, me and my son found mountain biking. We love mountain biking. Um, unfortunately, I'm in the Midwest, so yeah. mountains are not existent. <laughs> the rolling <laughs> we, hills. We literally have a couple like uh, single tracks that are fun, um, and then uh, I like skiing, snowboarding, and me and my family we love going camping. So. That's, that's it, man. Other than that, actually, I should say I also game a lot. I play Call of Duty a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Well, hey, on those cold winter you? days for you. What's your, what's your go-to? So, uh, you know, for me, we had, we had a football team, a flag football team, AFT saw football that. team yeah. for many years. And now, uh, you know, I just turned 41. And so actually two years ago, we hung it up. It got to the point in our late 30s. 
and I played quarterback on the team, and we had a you know an awesome guys that played. Brady just one, retired. How old is he? Yeah, Brady's. I don't know how forty four. So older I don't know. than you, Brad. Why he's couldn't you? Do yeah, that? and he's playing at a whole different level where he's actually getting hit, right? Um, but I looked at like team members tearing ACLs, yeah. tearing their Achilles, and like people getting hurt, and we're like, well, this probably isn't you know what we should be doing. And basketball's been a big part. I still play in city leagues, play a lot of basketball, but now it's golf. Like so. We try to get out. What's pretty fun is that a lot of my team likes to golf. So it's a good outing, too, where we go out and team build. Yeah, and all of my clients play. I mean, really, all of my clients play. You're in golf Arizona, dude. In Arizona. So yeah. they all play. And so it's great with vendors. It's great with clients, great networking, you know, and it's just good bonding time. So, so and, and then we love to travel. I mean, with six kids, you know, we're pretty involved with all everything they have going on school wise and performance wise. And, you know, those family vacations become very important. So yeah. you know how that is. That's oh, why you yeah. go camping. You get that one on one time. Yep. Hopefully no phones, right? No, there's no internet usually. Yeah. <laughs> so you're literally just with your kids. And so they great. can't escape, which is great. And, yeah. you know, for these young kids. So where can our listeners find you? Uh, I mean, if you just did a Google search, RR Buildings, you're probably going to come up with YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, website. You know, it's, it's kind of all over the place. And then what do you have that's upcoming and exciting for all us to follow along with? Uh, I mean, I think right now, if you, you know, this is going to air, and if you were to go check out the YouTube channel, you'd be right in the middle of, like, the build-out of this pretty epic barn dominium that has a long way to go, and I've been documenting it. I think I'm on, like, 15 episodes. Um, and I think, I think the main purpose of this series, I wanted to show, don't take this wrong, because you build stick frame, but the benefits of post frame versus stick frame. Of you course, know? it doesn't fit me. Yeah, because I think there's a fit for either yeah. way. Uh, but people need to know, well, what about this and why does this work and why do you use it? So I've been really trying to focus on like when I get to a point where it's like, hey, this right here, what we're doing, this is the benefit. This is what you're going to see as a benefit. And, uh, you know, so people looking for information, that's a really good place. So do you find strategy there, especially with the YouTube side, to do a series to go through to help capture the attention of your audience? Yeah, I think that people like to see things start to finish. Yeah. So, you know... I, I always tell people that pretty pictures are great to show what you're capable of, but the nitty gritty is even better to show what you do to get to that point and like what really goes into it. Because most of the time I had a customer every day, Brad, he showed up out of his house. He went into his little like a uh, razor or whatever. He had a little, you know, Polaris Ranger, came over to our job site, got his lawn chair out for him and his buddy because his buddy was going to show up at some point. <laughs> And they would sit and watch the whole build. <laughs> now, that's kind of nerve-wracking as a builder. It is. Oh, and he would ask questions, and I'd answer them. But you know what? At the end of the job, he said, Kyle, I know that was a pain in your ass, but I got to say, man, I appreciate it. Because if I would have just came home at the end of the day, I would have seen the job and been happy. But now I appreciate it. Like, I understand the work that went into it, the methods, the details, and it's absolutely amazing. And so, you know, I was like, well, that's, that's kind of cool. I need to keep showing the day-to-day because people don't understand it. We do it every day, so we understand it. But people that don't do it every day, they just can't understand it, man, until they're educated on it. So that's why I think it's important to continue doing that. Couldn't think of a what, better way to end a podcast and with that statement is true that we, we get inundated in the day-to-day and we don't understand the complexity and what other people is foreign to them. And by educating them, I mean, again, it, it, this has been... A, a true success story. I mean, Kyle, I, you're a great example. I think anyone on here, make sure you're following them because you've done a great job just capturing that audience and, and a, of course, keeping those ethics. So thanks, Kyle. Well, I appreciate it, man. Really do. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, 
They're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.